You're listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning again. I want to remind you that we have the kickoff event immediately following this service out on the Mosa side of the church property. It's going to be a great, great time if you can make it. Well, this fall we are looking at a new sermon series on the book of Acts, and we're calling it Better Together. It is my conviction that one of the great themes of the book of Acts is that we are better when we're together. And the book of Acts is a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. Luke tells the the life and teaching of Jesus, gives his life and death and then his resurrection. And Acts picks up after that immediately and then tells about the sharing of the good news message. Okay, what difference does the good news of Jesus Christ make in the world? And so it tells about the opening days of the early church. Today we're going to look at the last moments of Jesus' life here on earth in what is called the ascension. So let us open our hearts and our minds for the word of the Lord, coming from Acts 1, verses 6 through 11. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher, that you by your spirit might speak a word only you can speak. Lord, we ask that these words would not remain lifeless, dead ink on a page trapped in an ancient past, but they might spring to life and speak to our, wor- our hearts, our world, our own situation. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our text begins with the words, so when they had come together. Friends, a lot can happen when we come together. I believe we are better together. I once went to a conference at Peachtree Presbyterian Church where a famous theologian was speaking. He was from California, and he told this story about him visiting the American South for the very first time. He was with a friend, and so they wanted to try out an authentic Southern breakfast. So they did what any self-respecting visitor would do who wanted to try Southern cuisine. They went to Waffle House. They walk into Waffle House and the hostess goes and sits them down. The server comes over, brings them menus, water, coffee. She comes back a few minutes later and she says, okay, honey, what would you like to have? He said, I'll take a biscuit, bacon, eggs over easy, and on the side, could I get a grit? She said, oh, honey, grits, 
they never come by themselves. <laughs> Grits never come by themselves. Grits are better together. And friends, just like it is for grits, so too it is for people who would follow Jesus. We are better together. Christians come in community. Like grits, we are better together. We can't be by ourselves. We need others. We need a community. We cannot be isolated individuals. We are better together. This has been the view of Christian community from the very beginning. The early church father, Tertullian, who lived about 150 years after Jesus, famous theologian and pastor, wrote, a Christian alone is no Christian. A Christian alone is no Christian. We are better together. Because when we're together, we don't have to do it all by ourselves. We can help each other. We can help each other carry the load. For those of us who can't sing, we can't join the band, although they do need volunteers. Maybe we can do sound, we can do the slides, we can serve in Sunday school. There are so many things we can do. I could go on and on. We are better when we are together. Now I want you to know that being together and being better together does not mean we're living in utopia. Better together does not mean perfect together. Being together means we are going to disagree and we're going to have to work through our disagreements. We're going to have to ask for forgiveness when we offend someone. Being together means we're going to get frustrated when folks aren't doing their share of carrying the load, when they don't sing my song on Sunday, when I disagree with the preacher Sometimes we're going to have to work through it. Better together does not mean perfect together. And in fact, in his last conversation with the disciples here on earth, Jesus gets into this point. Did you see the, the question Jesus, they asked Jesus in verse 6? So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you'll restore the kingdom to Israel? Throughout their time with Jesus, this is a constant refrain. This is a constant question they ask again and again. Is this the time? Is this the time you're going to restore our fortunes to Israel? Is this when we're going to throw off the weight of our Roman oppressors? Is this the time we can, you're going to put the world to rights, we can live without fear, free from pain and despair? Is this the time we've been waiting for? Are we there yet? The people of Israel have been waiting a very, very, very long time. It can be tough waiting to arrive at your destination, can't it? Have you ever been on a long drive with children in the car? They say, are we there yet? And you say, not yet. Two minutes later, are we there yet? Not yet. <laughs> yeah. This goes on for hours. Those people who have experience with children's programming might be familiar with a show called Coco Melon. Kids right now are obsessed with it. It's full of nursery rhymes and songs that are kind of a, a soundtrack to these, these creepy digital cartoon images. And it's, it's regularly the number one kid show on Netflix. Well, there's this, this one song on Coco Melon where the kid sings, are we there yet? And the parent says, 
not yet. And the kid goes, are we there yet? The parent says, not yet. Well, this is a favorite show in our house. And I've read Sun Tzu. And so I know that you have to learn how to think like your enemy. <laughs> and so I've learned to trick my two-and-a-half-year-old. Now I am the annoying one. I say, are we there yet? He says, not yet. I say, are we there yet? He says, not yet. I say, are we there yet? He says, not yet. I say, are we there yet? Silence. <laughs> and it's golden, baby. I wear him down. The disciples are so concerned about when the kingdom will finally appear. When will our fortunes be restored? When will everything be made right? Are we finally there yet? And Jesus doesn't just say, not yet. Did you catch what he says? It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. I think this is one of the most difficult and challenging aspects of the Christian life. To resign ourselves to the fact we don't know the future. We don't know how long it will be. Lord, isn't it time that I finally got the job I wanted? Not yet. Lord, isn't it time for my loved ones to finally be free of their illness? Not yet. How long do we have to go on like this? Not yet. Is it finally time for this darn pandemic to be over? Not yet. It's not for you to know the future. I think this is one of the most difficult aspects of the human life. But it's a reality we all must live and wrestle with. And if we all got to wrestle with it, I think it's better to do it together. We are better together. Well, as God left us to our own devices, where is God? In the decision of whether to give the bad news or the good news first, Jesus often gives the bad news first, and that's what he does here. He says, it's not for you to know the times or the periods. It's only for the Father to know. But, he has a but there. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Spirit has come upon you. We don't know a lot of stuff about the future, but Jesus promises the power of the Holy Spirit will be with us. Now, this word power in Greek is dunamis. It means like explosive or electric, earth-shaking. It's where we get the word dynamite from. We will receive power when the, the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Now, we all know that Presbyterians are a little shy about talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> But I don't think we should be. I think a lot of us don't really know how to wrap our minds who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is the personal reality who connects us to the risen and living Christ. I think a lot of us have this kind of cartoonish idea of who the Holy Spirit is. It's like it's that ghost in Scooby-Doo that's haunting the halls. But the Holy Spirit is just the living presence of Jesus Christ with us. And there is a power when the Spirit is among us. This power flows out of the practice of a way of life. Okay, let me give you an illustration. You're going to be shocked. It comes from the world of sports. <laughs> so my high, high school basketball team was known as a, a tough, rebounding, and defensive team. 
And our coach said he wanted us to play with the spirit of Bobby Knight. Okay. Now, if you don't know who Bobby Knight, he was the legendary coach for the Hoosiers. He would have, I mean, he was notoriously tough on his team. He would be canceled today. And but, but he was just a legend of having tough teams. And our coach wanted us to play with the spirit of Bobby Knight. There was only one problem. We had never met Bobby Knight. But our coach discovered a drill that Bobby Knight had invented. It was a three-on-three drill. They would sit a basketball in the middle of three guys. And then there were three guys on the outside who would try to get the ball. And the three guys on the inside would try to keep them from getting it. And everything was permitted. You could punch, shove, scratch. I mean, it was vicious. You were bruised and battered. But we did this drill every practice. And guess what? After months and months of doing this drill, we had a power, a toughness that was with our team. We were, we were tough. We're not afraid to scratch a little bit, to fight for the ball. In the same way, As we do the same things that Jesus did, God's Spirit is among us. And there's a power to it as we come together to pray, confess our sin, forgive one another, serve the poor, read the Bible, sing songs, take communion. When we do all the things that Jesus did, when we're better together, there's a power among us. Jesus says we're called to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit unites the community and makes us better together, makes us more compassionate, justice-seeking and peacemaking and generous and all the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of that Spirit being with us, making us better together. So where is this all supposed to happen? Where are we called to be better together? Jesus says to his disciples, in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These are the concentric circles of Christian ministry. He begins saying, go to Jerusalem. Well, remember, Jesus had just been crucified in Jerusalem. He says, go where it's dangerous. Go to Judea. Go to Samaria even. Oh, the Samaritans, you've had beef with them for hundreds of years. I know you don't like them. Even go there. Be my witness there. And on second thought, just go to the ends of the earth. Be my witnesses wherever you go. This is not a geographically restricted mission. Wherever you go, bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. And I should say that I think this being a witness doesn't mean handing out tracts or teaching people the four spiritual laws or standing outside sporting events yelling at people with a megaphone. Can be what St. Francis said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. But bear witness with our lives the good news of Jesus Christ. Wherever you go, in the power of the Spirit, bear witness to what God has done in Jesus Christ. And then in the story, we see the most amazing thing happen. Jesus gives this command and then he ascends to heaven. Verse 9, when he had said this as they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is Biblical language describing Jesus being kind of veiled or taken to the realm where where God exists. That's where heaven is. And Jesus now sits at the right hand of God. So whenever we encounter an event like this in Scripture, so whenever we see Jesus walk on water or do a miracle, whatever it might be, I think a lot of us are asking, how are we supposed to interpret this? Is it metaphorical? Did it really happen? 
And I've always been of the position that the what question depends on the who question. You have to answer the who question, then you get to the what question. If you believe that the power of God who created the cosmos is somehow mysteriously inhabiting the person of Jesus Christ, well, then that changes what you think is possible. In fact, ascending to heaven is small potatoes compared to creating a star or a dandelion, let alone creating all that exists. The what depends on the who. And if you believe that the God of the universe inhabits Jesus Christ well, then all things are possible. So the disciples witness this, and suddenly two men dressed in white appear, and they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand up, staring up towards heaven? <laughs> That's a great question. They're like, did you just see what just happened? Well, don't just stand there. These guys say, get going. I always love that Johnny Cash line. Hey, guys, you're so heaven, heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Don't keep staring up to heaven. What God has done in Jesus Christ should force us to look at what is ahead of us. Where is God calling us? How is God calling us to serve, to move, to work, to minister? Standing up and staring towards heaven. My dad used to call that the paralysis of analysis. I had a professor once say, so many of us stand there clearing our throats that we never say anything. <laughs> Don't just stand there. Get going in the power of the Spirit. You're better together. Go serve. Do what God has called you to do. It's amazing to serve alongside one another as a community. We are better together. I think because the Olympics just happened, and quite a few people have asked me if I've read the book, The Boys in the Boat. It tells the story of a group of young men from the state of Washington who eventually row in the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. At the time, rowing was very, very popular worldwide. And these boys were roughnecks from my home state of Washington. They were loggers and, and farmers. They were rough and tough boys. But they had this legendary crew coach who would take these eight individually-minded young men and craft them into a team. These young men who had never been on a boat before, he would teach them to be a, a unit, a single entity moving through the water. And one time the coach was trying to convince this young man named Joe that he needed to, to row with the team, to row alongside and with, in the spirit, with the other seven rowers. You have to be of one spirit. And then he says this, and I quote, Joe, when you really start trusting those other boys, you will feel a power at work within you that is far beyond anything you've ever imagined. Sometimes you will feel as if you have rowed right off the planet and are rowing among the stars. You're better together when you're moving together in the power of the Spirit, that team won gold. The 1936 Olympics in Berlin is Adolf Hitler looked on. A unit. We are better together. 
How is God calling you to contribute to make our community better together? Maybe it's joining a Bible study or a community group. Maybe it's joining the prayers and squares ministry. Maybe it's delivering flowers to those who are homebound. Maybe it's becoming a Stephen minister or a shadow for exceptional children. Maybe it's giving of your tithes and offerings and contributing to the financial health of our community and church. There are so many ways to be a part of what the Spirit is doing here at RPC. We are better together. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that we are better together, that we are united in the power of the Spirit. I pray that we might feel that power among us, that we might support one another, help each other carry the load. Lord, as you unite us and remind us that we indeed are better together. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.